Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I'm your host, Doug. Uh, with me today are Elliot, Erica, and Tiff. Hello. And Hello. in the background, as usual, is Damien on Hello. the Wheels of Steel. Yo, yo. The ones and twos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Controlling ting. Word. <laughs> <laughs> so today, we are going to be talking about Stevia. Um, most people at this point, I think, know what Stevia is, at least anybody who's remotely interested in holistic health in some way. It's been around for years as uh, the often referred to as kind of the best non-sugar uh, sweetener or non-caloric sweetener. Um, it's a natural plant um, that has natural sweet qualities to it, but doesn't contain carbohydrate, at least not excessive amounts of carbohydrate. Um, but what caught our attention and thought that maybe we should do a show on this was there was a Mercola article up recently talking about how GMO stevia is everywhere. Um, the name of the uh, article on Mercola.com was called Buyer Beware, GMO stevia is everywhere. So looking at this article was kind of interesting because it kind of serves as a bit of a jumping off point just to talk about stevia um, because I think especially when people are kind of going onto low carb regimens, they're looking for things they can use to get that sweet taste that they're used to without pumping the carbs up and getting themselves, mm-hmm. knocking themselves out of ketosis or something like that. Um, but I think a lot of people, well, myself, and I think most of the hosts here included, uh, kind of became disenchanted with Stevia after a while for various reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One being like that a that. lot of people just, yeah, well, yeah. a lot of people just it's don't. It's nasty. Like yeah. It does seem to have, it has an artificial flavor, like sweetener kind of taste to it. To me, it, ta- it always tastes like aspartame or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it kind of lingers in your mouth too afterwards. Like, I don't want that taste to be in my mouth after I drink a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And I think. Yeah, it kind of like, you know, the news that it was like that that so much of it is actually genetically modified, uh, which I will go into the details on that in a bit. But um, I think it kind of, um, for me anyway, it was kind of like, you know, when I hear about genetically modified things, it's like, you know, a lot of times I feel this real sense of loss because it's like, okay, well, that food, you can't really eat it anymore. And in a lot of cases, it might be something I'm not really eating anyway, but then they're going to be feeding it to animals and that kind of thing. So it's just trying to avoid it becomes more and more difficult all the time. But with Stevia, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, ah, oh, well, you know, I wasn't crushed. Yeah. That's just me. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting too. They talk about in the very beginning of the article about uh, how, despite hundreds of years of safe use of Stevia, you know, in the traditional plant form, like we see behind Doug there, Mm. that uh, the, the U S food and drug administration labeled stevia leaf and the crude stevia extract as unsafe food additives and it was granted grass that general gen generally regarded as safe status to certain high purity steviol glycosides only yeah so this kind of buyer beware is interesting because the devil is in the details as always (laughs) yeah well, the, the the interesting thing about it is that the way that they're genetically modifying this, it's not that they've actually made genetically modified stevia plants. 
is that what they've done is they have produced a yeast through genetic modification that will produce those, um, what are they called, reb, reb, rebiocides or rebodiocides or something like that? Uh-huh. Um, that it basically the compounds in stevia that make it sweet, they've managed to manipulate uh, the genetics of a yeast to produce those compounds. So when it's, they label... Sorry, go ahead. Rebaudioside. Rebaudioside. Or rebaudioside. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Sorry. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> but basically what they've done is they've had these... Um, they've genetically modified these yeast to make this stuff. So when they label something as stevia, a lot of times, it's not like even really technically stevia. It's like the stevia extract, but it's not even a stevia extract because it's not extracted from stevia. It's uh, an artificial creation of the same stuff that you find in stevia. So it's really an artificial sweetener, despite the fact that they keep on to, like calling calling it uh, uh, natural um, mm-hmm. or like, you know, basically capitalizing off this idea that it's a healthy uh, plant, but there is no plant that's in this product. Yeah, it's it's like similar to kind of like a pharmaceutical. So so essentially mm-hmm. what they do is they isolate the compound or the kind of the very chemical that is responsible for inducing the sweet taste or the sweet flavor. I mean, this is 100 times sweeter than sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's extraordinarily sweet, especially anyone who's tried this knows that you can't go too heavy on the stevia because it, it's remarkably sweet. But what they've done is they've taken this natural plant, like all other kind of herb, herbs, traditionally used herbs that have been used perhaps for hundreds, if not thousands of years, they take this one compound or this chemical and then they kind of rebrand that or reclassify that and kind of... Um, there's always going to be problems, I think, to some extent. Or you're always going to run the risk of coming against problems when you isolate a specific chemical from totally. a plant. And this is what you see generally with big farmers, what they do, for instance, aspirin. So you've got um, the uh, original plant, which was... White willow. Um, white willow bark. White willow bark. Yeah, white willow bark. And so they saw that it had some of these properties. And so what they do is they actually derive the the acetyl salicylic acid from that and then they've made aspirin and unfortunately aspirin whilst it does have many good effects it also does have some pretty nasty side effects long-term use um so it seems to be the case this might be partially what's going on here yeah i think because the the thing about when you take an herb um a whole herb um like uh white willow bark say it still has those pain-killing properties but there are natural compounds in there that buffer it and make it so mm-hmm. the negative effects don't actually come through. So like the, a good, a good example, actually, Elliot, bringing up aspirin, because I mean, that one uh, has um, nasty effects on the gastrointestinal tract. Um, essentially it can cause like bleeding, ulceration, that sort of thing. Um, aspirin can, but white willow bark doesn't have that. It doesn't cause that. Um, mm-hmm. the reason being, at least with the theorized reason being is that there's other compounds in there that counteract that negative effect. Um, so I think that especially in situations where it's in, uh, some kind of herbal remedy that's been used for, you know, generations, thousands of years, it stood the test of time. And chances are 
even if there are negative effects from these isolated compounds, they don't exist in the whole herb. So, yeah, I, it's like you're saying, Elliot, like anytime that they're isolating these things, there, there are risks. You can't just be like, well, you know, we found the active uh, component and that's all we need. In a lot of cases, that's not all you need. So only the isolates are approved by yeah. the uh, FDA. And who has the power to make the isolates besides the large food companies like Cargill? Yeah, Cargill. Like your average person. Yeah, they're going to use the whole leaf. <laughs> and it has been used like for centuries. Yeah. Well, Cargill was voted one of the most evil companies on earth. <laughs> yeah. Notoriously. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're even they're even calling it what um, a non artificial, even though it's GE created. Like that's that's kind of why I think this article came out because it's in. There's so many different variations of it. Like I had a list here. I know Damien just showed a picture of Truvia, but um, they're making all kinds of stuff out of it. And uh, what are some of the just for our listeners who are interested, um, sweet leaf, purvia, stevia in the raw, truvia, and uh, I can't remember what the other one was. There was so you you know with consumerists, you know, like you said in the beginning, Doug, wanting to cut down on sugar, and then you hear, oh well, this is stevia. It's a leaf. It's natural. It, mm. All the different names should be looked at too to to check the ingredients because for sure check the ingredients yeah because a lot of the times um stevia if it's even in there is a small component of actually what the whole thing like what what the the entire product is and in fact we've got a video um from dr berg about it it's just a short piece maybe we can uh play that right now damien uh sure hang on Yeah, he basically just goes into some of the the different brands and what uh, what kind of stuff is in there. Start reading the labels very carefully um, because of the assumption that just because something is keto-friendly, like stevia, it's healthy, right? Well, on a lot of the brands out there, they'll have things like maltodextrin. Now, that is an oxymoron because you're buying stevia to go low sugar, right? When the actual stevia in it has the absolute highest type of sweetener on the glycemic index of all the sweeteners, maltodextrin. I think it's like 110. I mean, think about like sucrose. That is 65. Glucose is 100. Maltodextrin is over like 110. So it's going to definitely spike your blood sugars. So you really want to make sure it doesn't say maltodextrin or dextrose or dextrin, any of those types of sweeteners. Now that's stevia in the raw. Sweet leaf has inulin, which is fine for most people, but it can create some bloating. And then you have better stevia, organic cane alcohol. Well, I'm not sure you want to consume that. Then you have pure stevia, which is organic stevia and natural flavors. One little point about natural flavorings is Many times they will use GMO ingredients. So you want to make sure if it's a natural flavoring that it's non-GMO. 
But for the most part, if you can just get Stevia by itself, it's going to be okay. Ideally, it'd be great if you can get Stevia that's actually green. It's not uh, turned into this white powder, which they use certain chemicals to bleach it. And of course, they don't need to put those chemicals on the label if it's under a half of a gram. But they do use chemicals to process Stevia to get rid of that aftertaste. On some people, they're going to react to it. Most people are not going to be sensitive to it, so it's not a big deal. But realize that if you do react to it, chances are you're not going to react to the actual stevia plant if you grow it or if you buy it in an actual green powder. Personally, I don't like stevia in my coffee. Um, I think it's good in a liquid form in certain types of carbonated beverages. Other people like to bake with it. But the point about this video is just because something is so-called keto-friendly, doesn't mean that it's really keto friendly if it has things like this in it. Thanks for watching. So if you want more knowledge on how to create a healthy oh, body, subscribe now. Cut that. You don't need this promotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because, um, yeah, essentially a lot of the sweeteners out there um, and a lot of the, the stevia ones in particular, you, you still have to read your labels. Um, mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, like I know I th people would really like to have an easy time with these things. And when they're trying to avoid sugar, all they have to do is pick up a bottle of stevia. But honestly, you really do. You always have to read the labels. Like it's, it's, it, there's no such thing as things that are just plain safe. And the thing, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, I was going to say one of the things to consider with taking um, a zero cal calorie sweetener is yeah, it may physically contain zero calories. Um, but the, the problem is, is that the effect that that is having on certain parts of the brain <clears throat> or on other s systems in the body, particularly <clears throat> the bugs in the gut, the dopam dopaminergic system in the brain, in the nervous system, um, which is involved in appetite regulation, which is involved in um, weight deposition, how well you are operating your metabolism. Um, this hasn't really been fleshed out, right? There's there's some research to suggest that, okay, these, these non-caloric sweeteners may be having a similar effect um, on, on our hormones as sugar would. Um, and there actually may be a bit of a mismatch here because unlike if you were to eat some sugar or refined carbohydrate, yes, you would get the hormones associated with what happens when you eat sugar, such as insulin and various other ones. Um, but that would be those, those hormones would be appropriately released mm -hmm. because you have intaken some sugar, right? So your body knows how to process that to some extent, not good in long term. But actually, you, you can burn sugar pretty well and you know what to do with it, right? With these non-caloric sweeteners, some of the time what you're actually doing is telling the brain that you are intaking sugar or carbohydrate when there is no carbohydrate or sugar actually being eaten. And so that can cause a real kind of hormonal imbalance to, to a large extent. Now, I've been reading one paper, interesting one. Um, it was looking at the isolated... Uh, what is it? Rabaudicide. What did I say it was? It's basically that. Rabaudicide that, that, or a biodicide? Yeah. It, it's referred to as Reb A. 
mm-hmm. basically the sweet the sweet chemical found in stevia. So this iso- isolated rebe, what they've done is they've actually fed this to a group of rats. Um, but what they found is that it, it it can actually have an effect on gene expression in certain parts of the brain, um, the mesolimbic reward center, and it's having an effect on certain mi- uh, microbes in the gut. Okay. And what it's doing to the microbes in the gut is it actually um, induces them to make uh, high levels of certain short-chain fatty acids. This is basically byproducts of their metabolism. So they produce these, this, these, these fatty acids called acetate and valerate. Now, these were positively correlated with fat mass and total weight. So although the stevia may not contain any calories, just taking in a bunch of this really sweet compound is having an effect not only on the brain, but also on the microbes, which cause the microbes to produce certain fatty acids, which then go on to affect our metabolism in a way that might promote weight gain. Mm -hmm. So you're not necessarily safe just because you're dodging the sugar. Actually, the chemicals that you're having can be messing up with your metabolism in a variety of ways. And it's way more complex than just taking in uh, more calories or less calories. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it absolutely did. And in fact, there's actually a couple of other things that are kind of wrong with stevia. Um, For one thing, I mean, I think it's the same kind of mechanism you're talking about there, um, Elliot. In fact, you might have um, already mentioned it, and I apologize if I'm repeating you, but um, that it actually can lead to actually eating more later. Um, Did you cover that already? Mm Mm-mm. No, no, no. Because apparently one of the things that happens is that um, because you've kind of tasted the sweetness and are um, setting your body up to receive calories and then it doesn't receive any calories, it sets up for cravings because suddenly your body's like, where are those calories? And it it starts wanting more. So a a number of people, I was looking up quite a few different um, articles and stuff about uh, people talking about kind of the dark side of stevia. Um, and a number of people actually report that they were eating bigger outside of that stevia that they were having. So if they were putting stevia in their tea or having it in their smoothie in the morning or something like that, they found that they were actually eating more later on. Um, so yeah, it can lead to kind of overeating as well, but probably the biggest shocker that we were just talking about before the show actually was finding out that um, traditional cultures, I believe it was in South America actually were at one time using stevia as a form of birth control. Um, so yeah. And, and there was a study, uh, a study done um, that, you know, a lot of people out there are like, well, it hasn't been replicated yet, so we don't really know, but I think it's enough to kind of uh, invoke the precautionary principle um, saying that when they were feeding it to rats, they found like it was something. I don't have it up in front of me, but it was something like a fifty percent drop in um, um, fertility. Uh, it might have even been more than that. Uh, yeah, um, it was yeah, I think that was right. Fifty-seven to seventy-nine. To seventy-nine. So there you go. Right. So I mean, apparently stevia, the molecule, actually is very close to a structure of like hormones. Um, so they, they theorize that maybe that's what's going on there. But I don't think that anybody who wants to sweeten their tea in the morning is really looking for um, to become infertile. So, yeah. And this isn't something that's widely kind of um, publicized. So I think it's something like if somebody's trying to con- – like does, has anybody ever heard if you're trying to conceive to stop taking stevia? I've never heard of that before. Oh. 
So no, no, I've never heard of it. But I did read an article about a woman who was using stevia, mm. and she stopped having her period. And yeah. then when she cut out the stevia, like a month later, her period came back. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's actually been quite a few cases of that. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look at stevia, I think it's quite a potent phytoestrogen. Mm. Yeah, that's I'm pretty what it said, sure. That studies have shown a dramatic effect on estrogen and progesterone, and have a contraceptive effect on the body. They're calling them stevial glycosides. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so. I mean, I guess it. it the, the, what it comes down to is there's no free lunch. Um, mm-hmm. you think you found this miracle sweetener or something like that. And, oh, and also, uh, Elliot, you'd be interested to know, apparently stevia is quite high in oxalate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're having the, the whole leaf, it is definitely. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like I say, there's no, there's no real free lunch out there. I personally have come to a place where my diet is good enough that I don't really crave sweets so much. Um, and as an occasional treat, if I'm going to have something, I just use like a natural form of sugar. Like I'll use honey or cane sugar or something like that. You know, I don't think once in a while it's really going to kill you. And using this artificial stuff, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've done my time with that stuff and I don't, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with it. Xylitol, erythritol, stevia, all those ones, they're just, I'm done with them. Yeah, if you have to have a PhD in research science to figure out whether or not you should take an artificial sweetener, you probably just shouldn't do it. Like people, like you said, it's, it's people think they've come across this wonder drug. Like the whole reason that people are taking artificial sweeteners, like maybe they've gone keto or maybe they've gone carnivore and they want to... Uh, one lose weight and two stop the sugar cravings Mm -hmm. and you find out that it does neither of those things you can still gain weight because it can spike your blood sugar because if your brain senses sweet you know it's going to do what the brain does when it senses sweet and you know if you (laughs) if you uh i forgot where i was going with the other part but uh yeah you say, you're saying you can't, you, kill sugar cravings and lose weight. Yeah, and you still get sugar cravings. You want to eat sweets all the time. So what is the point of taking it? Just act like the stuff doesn't exist or just use honey or use raw cane sugar or something. Use a real sugar because your body knows what to do with that. You know, if I, I'm mostly carnivore, but if I cheat and eat something with sugar in it, I'll just get really, really hot at night. It might sweat a little bit because I ate too much sugar, (laughs) but you know, the next day I'm probably back in ketosis. Not that I ever check my keto strips or anything or check my blood for it, but you know, stop thinking that you're cheating something. You're not. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a, it's not a viable hack. No. Exactly. And I think unless you've got some kind of like medical condition, which really, which really means that you need to completely, 
you know, withdraw from all dietary carbohydrates, all dietary sugars and things, uh, you know, the body can burn glucose, you know, it can mm-hmm. burn glucose and fat. It's why our body makes glucose. Yeah. You know, we can burn it and we can do things with it. We know how to process it. Yeah, okay, we eat too much of it and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be like, uh, you know, it shouldn't be a regular thing. But actually, a little bit of sugar here and there, unless you're like a type 1 diabetic with mm-hmm. uncontrolled insulin requirements and or you're epileptic or something, you know, like it's not going to kill you. But actually taking these kind of very, I guess what you'd call kind of abstract, random compounds like sugar alcohols, like mm-hmm. xylitol, like xylitol. I mean, it's derived from tree bark and it's a potent antibiotic. You know, like you can actually do some damage to your gut from taking too much xylitol. Like there's loads of people who get really adverse symptoms from taking xylitol or erythritol. Like erythritol is like a kind of, a lot of these things are synthetic nowadays as well, just like the stevia. So it's like, yeah, you uh, were, there's no free lunch. If if, Mm -hmm. if you're going to eat something sweet, you need to, deal with the consequences of that and a lot of the time there's not that many consequences if it's just one time you know yeah Yeah, and if you're reasonably healthy it's not going to kill you to have an occasional blood sugar spike your body should be able to handle it it knows what to do (laughs) the other thing is too that when you really do kind of cut down on sugar um or any kind of sweetness you start to notice like the natural sweetness of other of, of natural foods like you don't mm-hmm. need that sugar hit you know what i mean that that thing that we're so used to now with our processed foods and all these kinds of things that really really sweet um taste it's kind of like that that starts to become overpowering and you don't even like it anymore and the natural sweetness of natural foods tends to kind of like be more enjoyable i guess mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think this is where companies like Cargill, you know, they're like a huge food conglomerate and a lot of people know them for grain production. But mm-hmm. I think that the, this ramping up of this commercial production of these genetically engineered sweeteners and their 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 product is ever sweet. You know, they just built a $50 million production facility to make this stuff just in November. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're really looking to find a way to make money on the fact that people are coming to the idea that maybe all this carbs and sweet is not good for them and dealing with obesity and health issues. But these guys are trying to situate themselves right there in the market to continue to get their market share, even though this stuff is evil yeah well there's a sucker born every minute some (laughs) people are always going to get taken in by food manufacturers lies so it's still up to everyone to do their own research like even if you have the slightest suspicion it's not going to kill you to not have a little bit of sweetness every single day yeah yeah Yeah, you don't need you know just because they're serving cake doesn't mean you have to have the cake like <laughs> really it's just kind of you graciously turn it down and then that's it. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, having a little bit of willpower about these things obviously goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And also eating enough like fatty meat really cuts down on any kind of sweet cravings. Mm-hmm. So if you can find some kind of natural hack through your own diet you know, whether it be like not eating sweet stuff just not to awaken the beast or 
having more fat in your meals to cut down on cravings and try it. See what works. Yeah. Well, I think, is there anything more to say about stevia? Fire beware. Fire beware. <laughs> yeah. Or trivia. It's yeah. the unnecessary non-caloric sweetener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to my fellow hosts. Be sure to like and subscribe the video. Share it around with all your friends. Anybody who's eaten stevia. <laughs> and had a bad experience. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> um, yeah, and be sure to join us uh, next time. Uh, we'll have another fantastic show for you all. So until next time, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.